Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It was hand on heart seeing my psychologist and going to therapy because she was the one who helped me see that I was perfect just the way that I was. I didn't have to change anything about me. I could just exist and just be good enough as I was. The What's Eating You podcast is a series of mental health topics that are designed to make you think, learn, educate, and validate. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode on the What Is Eating You podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Giorgio, and today I'm joined by a very special guest and dear friend of mine, Adele Marie. You've probably seen her pop up on your For You page on social media, trying a new food or sharing her life with us. Adele is a lifestyle content creator, a podcaster, and just an overall amazing human that I'm so grateful to have in my life, Adele Marie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Steph. I'm so happy to be here and so grateful. I'm excited to get into it. Oh, I feel so lucky that you're my friend and that you are here and that you're willing to be open and vulnerable about today's topic. So before we get into it, I'll just give a little trigger warning. We'll be discussing eating disorders and mental health. Some of the content may be a little bit um, graphic or vulnerable. So just make sure you take care of yourself following this episode. So Adele, tell us a little bit about you. What do you do? How did you start this social media journey? And then we'll get into where you began. Yeah, let's go back to the beginning. Well, I mean, quick overview. I'm 30 years old. I live here in Melbourne, Australia, and I create content on most platforms. And I've been doing this now for nearly two years, which is wild because I feel like it's just flown. (laughs) I got into this space from sharing a heartbreak journey, which... I had gone through a breakup. I was very sad. I posted a video crying on TikTok and here we are now. So it's been a wild ride, but it has been one I'm really grateful for and one that fulfills me and absolutely love sharing things. I'm an oversharer by nature. So it's right up my alley, but I love staying active. I love my family. I love food. I love my dog. And my content is 
a summary of all of that, basically, with a little bit of mindset, mental health sprinkled in there as well. Yes. And I love that you are so open about your mental health because to be honest, I definitely think when I went through my eating disorder at a younger age, it was so secret. No one spoke about it. And because I was, I guess, studying to become a psychologist, I wanted to keep it so silent. So tell me what makes you share your mental health on social media? And do you ever worry about doing that? Yeah. So my my struggles with mental health started before I was on social media. And I probably had it, I probably had issues with my mental health my whole life, but it got worse during 2020, the pandemic time. I'd gone through a different, really difficult breakup and relationship. And I got help, but I noticed that when I had gotten the help, I had so much shame and I had so much, I I didn't want to get the help because I thought, I don't really need it. And it's not that serious. And why do you need help? Like you're kind of managing it. And then after I had gotten help and I had seen how much I had shifted as a person and how much my, my, my life had changed for the better, I thought I should share this. If I've got a platform or if I'm upset, which is like a very normal thing to experience, like why do we hide it? And so when I posted that first video crying to TikTok, I didn't know it would blow up. That wasn't my intention. But when I saw how many people felt seen and validated and felt less alone, I thought to myself, like, this will help me in a way, but it will help other people. And so I never really thought that anything bad would happen because by that point I was over the shame. And I thought by sharing it, maybe I can help someone else who has that own, who has their own internalized shame to go and get help if they need it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Did you have any second thoughts of posting a video of you crying? Because I know there's a lot of, I don't think stigma is the right word, but there's a lot of, I guess, two views on that, like, oh, influencers yeah. crying and posting that on social media. I know. And it's almost like people are like, well, why are you filming yourself crying? I I always, even before I was an influencer, a creator, I would always film myself crying. I don't know if it was just really? to document. Yeah, if it's just like to document or like I'm, if I'm feeling bad, I'm, I don't know, I would just like take a picture or film. And when I posted that video, I was down bad to the point where I was like, I don't give a, can I, can I swear? Like, (laughs) I was like, I don't, I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about me. I don't even care if people are like, why is she filming? Or what a loser. Cause I was so heartbroken. I was like, I don't even care what happens anymore. Like whatever. Let me just like sob in my bed. And I think that day I didn't leave my room. I cried on my bed for about 18 hours. I was, I was very sad that day, but yeah, I have no regrets about posting it. And I mean, now I probably am less likely to go and like video myself crying or post it. But I also think I do vlog my life, right? So people can see if I've been crying or can see if I've been like, can tell if I'm down or if I'm not my usual self. And I don't go out of my way to try and hide that because again, just normalize. You're not going to be happy all the time. I think it's very unrealistic to think that you're always going to be in a good mood, that life is always going to be happy and dandy and everything's, you know, sunshine and rainbows. There's some shit out there too. 
Oh, 100%. I think I met someone yesterday and they were very successful and I said, wow, like your life is incredible. And they said, you know what, it's like a library and there's lots of books and some books are bad, some books are good and that's your life. There's different chapters and different seasons and it sounds like that season of heartbreak really led to another season um, with your social media. You mentioned you decided to get help. Who were you? before you got help because you present as this uh, quite polished version you have a really healthy lifestyle and routine and balance with food and I think people may look at you and think oh my gosh like she has the perfect life but who were you before all this what was different what made you realize okay I need help yeah so the way I view my life is there's like before therapy and then there's after therapy (laughs) literally I ended up in therapy because of a relationship breakdown, but through therapy, I realized I had issues with my relationship with my body, my relationship with my self-confidence, my relationship with food, my relationship, no, not even my relationship, my coping mechanisms, like my coping tactics were incredibly unhealthy. And I think before I started becoming aware and before I learned healthier ways to do things and healthier ways to look at things and, you know, tackle things in life and tackle these hardships, I was someone who was a type A overachiever in everything that I did. I would always throw myself into work, school, my career. I went through a bit of a party phase in my early 20s where I would dabble with the wrong crowds party really hard, whether it would be alcohol or drugs. I battled with my relationship with food and my body from, I'm going to say maybe my mid-teens until I was about 24, 25. And so I think I was deeply unhappy, really truthfully, and almost band-aiding all this shit with other unhealthy coping mechanisms. And I always think now, you know, everything in moderation, but I would do things like to the extreme. (laughs) Mm -mm -mm. Yep. It's that all or nothing mentality. And I love that. I love that because people come to therapy for what they think they need and they really need. So I, yeah, it's so great that you can see that, that your coping at the time was more maladaptive than adaptive and just being able to look back and, and see yourself and identify this just shows growth. So Yeah, that's amazing. You mentioned your issues with food. Now, this is obviously an area I'm very interested in. And when I watched your videos, what really, I guess, attracted me to you was, oh my God, this girl's skinny and she's eating McDonald's and she is showing, I love that she's showing this on social media. And do you know what? It's not even that she's showing it in the context of, hey guys, I'm eating McDonald's. Like you weren't selling anything. You weren't trying to, you know, promote a a diet plan or meal. You were just doing it and it was so normal and natural. How did you get to this place of just being able to eat McDonald's for dinner? Because I even think people with a quote unquote healthy relationship with food would struggle to do that. Yeah. It hasn't always been like that. And I would say my issues with food and my issues with my body probably started around my teen years when I first went through puberty and my body started to change. I also grew up in a household and around family who would comment on how much you were eating if you had put on weight. 
if you were looking too skinny, if you didn't eat enough, like I grew up in an Italian and Greek household. So they have no issues commenting on your body or your food. (laughs) I also, and I love my mum so much, but growing up, I watched her diet, diet after diet, after diet, after diet. And I probably didn't realize it at the time, how much of an impact it was having on me. And then going into my early twenties, I had gone away on a Europe holiday And on the holiday, I had put on a bit of weight because I was eating all the food and I had come back and my clothes are really tight and my clothes are really just a little bit snug. And I had started going to PT for the first time. And my personal trainer at the time had a very aggressive approach to diet and physical activity. Again, I'm the type of person that if someone tells me to do something, I'll do it and I'll do it 110%, you know? So I followed his diet plan. I followed his exercise plan. And it was quite unhealthy to the point where I was severely under eating and over exercising. So I had gone from putting on maybe like, I don't know, five or six kilos overseas to then losing quite a bit of weight in a very unhealthy way. And that pattern kind of repeated. It was like a yo-yo. I would put on weight and then I would do dangerous things to lose it. I would put on weight and then I would do more dangerous things to lose it. And it wasn't until I started powerlifting, which in a way was also a coping mechanism because who is out here? Who needs to be out here powerlifting? (laughs) But the powerlifting, if for anyone listening who doesn't know what it is, it's a sport where you are judged basically on how much you can lift. And the aim is to lift as much as you can in squat, bench, deadlift. And suddenly my exercise and my relationship with food and exercise shifted from what my body looked like to what my body could do. And so to this day, I owe part powerlifting and mostly my therapist for helping me become more neutral to my body, become more neutral to food and just be grateful for my body because my body is healthy. I can move. I can go to the gym. I love food as well. Like food is not here to hurt me. Food is here to nourish me. And I do try to eat a balanced diet. And for me, that does include McDonald's. That does include chocolate. That does include ice cream and it's a bit like the whole foods, soul foods, but I've seen what it's been like for myself when I've tried to restrict in the past. It's, it just leads me to an unhealthy cycle. So it's better for me to be neutral to it, enjoy everything, just be grateful for my body. And now I'm in such a good place. And I think I've spoken about this to you off air as well. I think I'm in such a good place, but there are still some things that I do that people would be like, oh, that's probably not normal. The Coke Zero and the Coke, the full the full sugar Coke. Like I still to this day wouldn't go and drink a full sugar Coke. I would always like, not really, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I think there's certain things like I wouldn't drink, I wouldn't drink Coke, for example. I just, it's not something for me. I do enjoy coffee and I enjoy caffeine, but I just, I wouldn't drink Coke and it's not an eating disorder thing. It is a preference. So I think there's preferences and then there's eating disorder behavior. And what leads to it is, am I doing this because of a fear? Like, am I actually choosing Coke for this Coke for preference or because I'm fearful that the full sugar Coke is going to make me fat? Yeah. Well, I think it started like that. I think it started as me being like, oh, well, the Coke Zero has got zero calories, so I can drink as many as I like. Whereas now 
it's, it might be a habit, but looking back, I can clearly see that for me, my issues around the food and around my body were all about control. Like I just, I wanted control so badly and I felt like I could control that area of my life. And I was never diagnosed with an eating disorder. I probably could have been because I had some tendencies to do things. So yeah, it's fascinating. (laughs) It is. And a lot of them don't get diagnosed or picked up because like you said, people are always comparing themselves to people who are worse. I'm not sick enough or it's not like I'm anorexic, but eating disorders and disordered eating come in all shapes and all sizes. They do not discriminate against anyone. So thank you for sharing that. And I think what I might say next might be a bit controversial, but you do show eating McDonald's and uh, takeout and all those things, ice cream, chocolate, you do your review videos, but let's not deny you are in a smaller body or a thinner body that most women would dream of. And I, I loved when I listened to your podcast episode, you were just like, I am the, what was it? The beauty standard. I fit the beauty standard. I'm the beauty. And I'm like, Slay queen, you own that, um, which I think is so good. It's not like you're denying it. It's you are, you're in, you know, a, a smaller body that most women would dream of. And for me, I always believed when I went through my struggles, if I was skinnier, everything would be fine. If I was thinner, if I weighed less and I wouldn't have problems, I would attract love in my life. I would have everything. But do people in your body weight, shape and size have problems? Can you just tell the audience is being thinner everything you've ever dreamed of? I don't think, I I think it doesn't matter what your body looks like. I think the issues that you can have with your body image are all up here, all mental. Because for me, even though, even when I had put on weight or I was trying to diet or I was trying to become smaller, my body still fit the beauty standard then. And when I did lose that weight, I wasn't any happier. I wasn't feeling any better. I wasn't more confident. It wasn't until I learned to treat myself with compassion to treat myself with kindness and to basically stop treating myself like an asshole that my relationship with myself shifted because I was doing such nasty things to myself. Whereas now I I would never do that to myself because I deserve the best. I am so grateful for the body that I have. And I do always acknowledge that privilege, especially if we are talking about stuff like this, because again, people probably do look at my content and think, oh, like she's got it cut out. Like, you know, she looks good. She couldn't possibly ever feel bad, but it has so much more to do with what's going on in your brain than the food that you're eating or the exercise that you're doing. That's just, I feel like maybe like the physical symptoms that people can see, but it's all internal. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more 
and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 100%. And I think you just outlined that when you were at your thinnest, you had your most issues. You, you didn't yeah. feel good enough. You were struggling. You had unhelpful coping mechanisms. And I found this quote the other day. I was just adding some content to my body image podcast and module and I loved it. And I it said this, it's not about believing that your body looks good, but rather about knowing your body is good no matter how it looks. Yes. Your body is good yeah. no matter how it looks because your body image is how you think your body looks, not how your body actually, actually looks. looks. Yeah, I love that. How how did you change that? How did you change your body image and your relationship with food? Yeah. So as I said, it was a conjunction of taking up powerlifting because suddenly my focus was very, was shifted. It was like, oh, I'm going to go in the gym this week and I'm going to lift 80 kilos on my deadlifts or I'm going to lift 90 kilos on my deadlifts. And suddenly my focus and my mental energy was spent on focusing on that versus worrying about what my next meal was going to be, worrying about how much I weighed that day. And looking back, I can see that the powerlifting was also another coping strategy because it is something to the extreme. Again, everything in moderation. I don't think anyone really needs to be out there trying to deadlift to 150 kilos. It's a bit excessive, but it did shift. It did have a massive shift for me. So I'm truly grateful for that. But I still could probably see, because I would compete in local competitions, I still could probably see some unhealthy tendencies coming in. But then it was about, well, in order to lift this weight, you actually have to eat well. You have to eat protein. You have to drink your water. You have to make sure you're sleeping well. And so I cleaned up a lot of my habits during that time, but it was hand on heart seeing my psychologist and going to therapy because she was the one who helped me see that I was perfect just the way that I was. I didn't have to change anything about me. I could just exist and just be good enough as I was. And prior to that, I was always trying to be better, trying to do more, punishing myself when I didn't really need to do that. No. And the self-criticism is what actually leads to the problems. People think, oh, I need to be critical. I need to tell myself I shouldn't eat that. I need to tell myself I'm fat and disgusting. It's actually the opposite. Research shows when you are more self-compassionate, you're more likely to hit deadlines. You're more likely to engage in health-related behavior because you respect yourself and you're going to treat yourself better when you see yourself and speak to yourself better. So it really is the mindset work. So for anyone who's listening, thinking, oh, I just need to be skinnier. It's not, it's the opposite. You need to start thinking effectively in the body you have in order to do the behaviors that are going to make you feel good in who you are. Yeah. And for me, obviously learning how to do that with my therapist's help was life-changing. And that has gotten me to where I am now, where I go to the gym not because of how I want my body to look. Of course, again, the exercise that I do is weights. It's not to the extreme anymore, but yes, that is going to change how my body looks, but that's not the main reason I go. I go for my mental health. I go to collect the endorphins. I always am like, I go to the gym just to get my little endorphin hit or serotonin hit because I'm like, I I feel better after I go. And I can even see it in myself. The days I don't walk or the days I don't go to the gym, I'm like, oh, a bit mopey, a bit low vibe. I go because it feels better. 
And again, with the food, I do try and eat food that makes me feel better. I don't restrict things anymore. I don't view food as good or bad or healthy or unhealthy. Food is just food. It's just there. It's just there. I love that. One more question about the body because I I want people to know this. So many people strive and have this unrealistic want of a flat stomach. Everyone's like, I just want a flat stomach. I, you know, women filled out a survey and I think it was there was this staggering percentage of women who would give up 10 or 20 years of their life to be 10 or 20 kilos lighter or would do something extreme for a flat stomach. That makes me want to cry. I know. <laughs> I know. And it's actually really hard to have a flat stomach, no matter what you do. It very heavily relies on genetics, et cetera. But does having a flat stomach, like, have you made it in life? Is it everything it cracked, it's cracked up to be? <laughs> no. Why are we so obsessed with this? No. And it upsets me because I get comments about my stomach and about it being flat. And how did you get it like that? And why is it like that? And why do you never get bloated? I think genetics plays a large part of it for me personally, but who cares if your stomach isn't flat? There are so many other more amazing qualities about you as a human that have nothing to do with what you look like and nothing to do with how your body looks or how much your tummy sticks out or how many rolls you've got. 100%, exactly. And for me, what really moved me through it is what is hating it? going to do. Hating it doesn't change it. And you know what? Are you going to wake up in 10 years from now and still not wear those bathers? Are you going to wake up in 20 years from now and still not go on that vacation? This is your life and you can live it in whatever body weight, shape and size that you are in. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. So Here's another thing. You've mentioned, I think that was a coping mechanism a couple of times. So you are a perfectionist and you are a high achiever. You are, you own that. Do you think that work and social media is a coping mechanism for you in some capacity? Yes. Okay. And I'm fully aware of it. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think you're using it to cope with? Okay, so this goes back to maybe my last job and the job before that. I funnily enough found myself in very high pressure, high stress sales roles where you're judged on your ability to get sales and hit your KPIs, very performance-based. And me and my psychologist had a laugh about it when we went through all of my coping mechanisms, all of my schemas, and I was like, wow, I've gone and found a job that is like triggering this (laughs) in a way. And I guess just because I quit that job doesn't mean that it's automatically gone away now that I'm doing another job. And I definitely can see that I've made improvements where I try to have a better balance with my work and there's no need for me to be working myself into the ground. And I, I think it also goes hand in hand with the fact that with social media, it's not as black and white as my last job. I could very clearly look at my targets, look at my results and know if I was doing good or bad. With social media, yes, okay, you might want to look at the following numbers or the likes on your videos. But again, that doesn't really determine everything. It's a little bit, I feel like it's more gray. I feel like the lines are not as clear cut as my last job. But this is going into now just a year of me doing this full time. 
And I've definitely taken lessons from the last 12, 13, 14 months. And I can see areas where I could probably be a little bit more chill (laughs) and probably take it easy. And an example of that is last year, I'd quit my job, my corporate job, and I had just launched my own podcast. And we went into Christmas, New Year's, and instead of just like taking a break, like most people would take a break over Christmas and New Year's, I pre-recorded, I don't know, like 20 podcast episodes or 16 podcast episodes. So my podcast would still run over like that summer break. I still vlogged on TikTok, still vlogged on YouTube. I didn't give myself a break. And this year I am going to actually take a break and (laughs) because I deserve it. And I don't think And I know, not even I don't think, I know applying that unrelenting standard or that really unhealthy expectation on myself is not healthy. Like I, again, I am enough without doing all these things. I'm, I'm enough just to sit here and do nothing. (laughs) I love, love, love that because people think if they do more, they're going to increase their self-worth, but increasing self-worth is about being like, I'm worthy if I decide to be a couch potato today, or if I decide to be busy today. And I think that's been my biggest shift is I used to be a workaholic, same as you. So what I realized, I went to Tony Robbins and I realized I don't feel valued in my past relationship. So I overcompensate in my work life. If I work really hard, that makes me feel good because I didn't feel good in my relationship. And now that I feel good within myself, I think it's gone a bit too far though because I'm a bit too relaxed. Like, <laughs> And then I have to stop and think, have I lost passion? Have I lost motivation? But I think it's about being in your 30s. You just, you want to enjoy life a bit. You want to take yes. a step back. Um, so I love that you're taking a break and I love that you're, yeah, proactively putting things in place. And I think for anyone listening who struggles to take a break, I just tell myself that resting is investing. Your brain needs a break. Yes. And even with that, I would struggle in the past to take a rest day from the gym. Whereas now I do only four days in the gym. I used to train six days a week. Now I'm like. How good is not excessively exercising? It's amazing. An excessive exerciser. And let me tell you, I exercise the same three to four times a week now. Yeah. My energy has changed. My fatigue has changed. My body feels good. And you love those rest days because you can put that energy into other areas of your life. Yeah, it is. It's true. And I think it can also possibly have to do with even my upbringing because I grew up in a household where my parents would never rest either and they would struggle just to sit sit down and chill out, always working, always doing something. And so I definitely think I took that on, but now I can sit on the couch and watch the Beckham documentary for five hours straight and not feel bad about it. Like balance, I think it's about balance. It's so true. We came from a generation of our parents were always like, work hard, do this, do that. Like my mom is always cleaning. I'm like, yeah, mom, everyone's coming over. She's like, you never know who's going to show up. You know, <laughs> we used to be scared to jump around as kids because jumping makes dust. Um, so we, we had the same upbringing. <laughs> The same. So, all right, to sort of wrap it up, I've got two more quick questions. Well, this one might not be quick, but my God, when I spoke to you and heard about some of the the hate and negativity you got on social media, I couldn't believe it. I actually could not believe it. I couldn't believe what people do on social media and how they say things about, you know, 
your family, your friends, close relationships, you do share a lot on social media. And some people might say, well, what do you expect? You share so much of your life. Yeah. How do you keep it together? Because I know there's there's a lot of influencers who've gone down deep depression holes, have questioned whether they're going to continue doing this. They've had hate pages made about them. My friend who was on Married at First Sight, there was hate pages about her hair on Facebook. Um, how do you deal with it? Have you ever yeah. thought about stopping? Yeah. So the trolls, the trolls love, <laughs> love creating hate and love putting nasty stuff out into the world. But all I have to say is thank God I go to therapy and thank God that I they have good therapy. Yeah, probably. Well, I always think like hurt people hurt people, right? If someone is has got the time or energy to go and like ooze that hate out of out of out of them to go type it out. I think if that's what you're saying about me or anyone else, what are you saying to yourself? Because I could never imagine saying those things to myself, let alone another person. But if you've got that capability to say it so freely to someone else, I can't imagine that your self-talk is going to be much better. But as for how I keep it together, I have very good guidance from my psychologist where she has said to me that I need to not let the negative get to me, but also not let the positive get to me either. Because what happens is she said to me, Adele, it's not normal to have hundreds and thousands of people telling you that they love you. It's not normal to have hundreds and thousands of people, you know, inflating your ego, right? And she's right because you've got on one hand the negative comments which can really bring your sense of self down and then you've got the positive comments which can also inflate it at the same time. And she's like, in order to stay neutral, you have to stay neutral to both. And obviously, of course, I love if I get like good feedback on the podcast or good feedback on some content. But again, I still stay neutral. And she's like, be guided by your closest friends and your closest family because they're the people who truly, genuinely know you. She's like, these people, and it goes for, I think it's a bigger issue really with social media where we follow people and we create this parasocial relationship with them where we think we know them so, so well because they share so much. But I think people forget that just because someone is sharing something online doesn't necessarily mean they're absolutely sharing every little thing that goes on. And a really good example of that is my daily vlogs. I post a 40 second vlog from yesterday. There's 24 hours in that day. (laughs) There's a lot you don't see. And that goes for all the content. But I think there's this parasocial dynamic, which makes people think that they know people really well, and then they can go and assume things and maybe give them praise or maybe send them hate. And so I just stay neutral to it. (laughs) Obviously I'm human. And on bad days when maybe I'm feeling a little bit low or I'm already having a sad day or I'm about to get my period and I'm feeling a little bit PMSy. Like <laughs> if I read something bad, that can probably have a bit of a worse impact on me, but I take it with a grain of salt, let it try to like be water off a duck's back. And I just tell myself like, you know, I've got good family in my life. I've got good friends in my life. If I was really being all these terrible things that people are saying about me, they would tell me. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Uh, what what's parasocial mean? It's basically where you're like who you follow. You you it's like that line becomes so blurred. It's almost like you do know this person in real life. You you think of them as like a best friend or someone that you know personally. 
but you don't. You only know them from behind a screen and there's a lot of t- there's a lot of space and distance that separates you and two phone screens or computer screens, but in in people's minds like it it builds up and again, it's like can happen both good and bad, but it's also not normal to have large amounts of love from strangers on the internet. <laughs> it's so true and do you know what that makes me realize because when I'm upset and I'm really good at self-awareness and stepping back. I was like, okay, Steph, why is this bothering you? What is it? What is it? Dig deep, dig deep. Because I had a few things happen last week. And then I'm like, I'm so used to people liking me and I'm so used to, ha- you know, people appreciating me or working with me that when someone doesn't like me, I'm like, what's your that really upsets me because everyone likes me and we all want to be liked. Yeah. It's like when I worked in prison and I worked with registered offenders who um, were, they'd done prison time because they were involved in drugs and substances and they were mandated to attend therapy. And I had to do this. I ran this program with them and they were so disrespectful and they were obviously very traumatized. I had traumatic upbringings, but I wasn't used to being in a room with people who didn't want to be there, who didn't want to be in therapy, who triggered you, who would say all these things. They knew they'd push your buttons, really narcissistic type personality disorders. And it really got me because I'm like, I'm not used to this. I have a wait list for therapy. Like, you know, and I think you're so right. When you're used to being liked, when someone doesn't like you, it really digs at us. Yeah. And then it's just remembering, right, that not everyone is going to like you. And that's okay, but I think when you do have a platform and then you are exposed to so much of that like and that love, it can feel jarring when you get that hate. But again, it's just like, well, you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea and you shouldn't want to be everyone's cup of tea because then it's like, well, are we turning into a people pleaser? <laughs> like, where's the line? <laughs> yes. What, what triggers people? I remember when we first met, you said, my content triggers a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if it is maybe my lifestyle. I used to have people tell me that they hate my voice and that they hate the way I speak. And I I can't help the way I speak. I can't help the voice that I've got. Like this is my voice. It, It like I am who I am. Maybe, maybe it's the fact that I would post crying videos on the internet. I don't know. I don't know what triggers them, but the hate comments I get are either usually about my appearance, my voice, my dog. People love to go after my little dog, Frank, like why? (laughs) But yeah, I always just think, send them love. I've got my comment filters on. So usually if there's a bad comment, it gets put behind that comment filter. Obviously, um, it's still there if I go and look at the comment, like the filtered comments, but it doesn't go onto the post. And I've got better boundaries now where I will try to stop myself from seeing things rather than going and looking at them or feeling the need to reply. At the start, when I first got social media, I used to be so triggered by it. And I would be like, I'm going to make a video and respond to this hater. No, we don't do that anymore. (laughs) We send them love and we carry on with our day. (laughs) Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think what really has helped me, I haven't got anywhere near as much hate as you and and that, but I always think, you know what, I'm grateful it came to me and not someone more vulnerable who was yes. on the edge or maybe considering taking their life. And just remember this, a lot of people hate and are rude because you're a reflection of what they want to be. 
And I think it's important to remember that. And like you said, hurt people, hurt people. And I think you do a really good job in managing it. So thank you. Mental health tips. Now you are someone who does the exercise, does the journaling, does all the mental health stuff. But what do you think is your biggest tip for someone who may be struggling with their mental health or having a bad mental health day? Yeah. My biggest tip is to be aware of it and accept it and not try to hide it, not try to gaslight yourself, not try to, what's the word I'm looking for? Invalidate yourself. I used to be really good at that. (laughs) But then I realized when I started helping myself and when I could admit that I was having a low vibe day or I'm having, I call it now a flop error. If I'm having a flop error, <laughs> it's Love like, that. you know what? I'm I'm in it. We just vibe. I know it will pass. I now know it will definitely pass because it's passed every other time. I also have a toolkit, which I will use to make myself try and feel better. Sometimes there's not a reason for me feeling bad. Sometimes I can go on the walk. I can do my journaling. I can see my psychologist and I can still go home and cry myself to sleep that night because I just feel like trash. There's not always there's not always going to be a way to fix it. Sometimes you just do need to write it out as well. But yeah, owning it. You don't need to invalidate yourself. It's okay to feel, to feel shit. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's about being in the self-acceptance. Yeah. Era. And I always say, you know, validate, but don't accommodate it for too long. Yes. I'm like, you're feeling crap, like have your, your, your bad mood, accept it. I'm in a bad mood, own it, tell those around you. And I think the other thing, which I forgot to mention in the um, burnout podcast, which go listen to it if you haven't heard it, it's with Adele, it's amazing, is we often think we need to be on all the time and we often yes. have friends who we need to be on all the time, but it's so important about having people in your social circle and around you who you don't feel like you need to be on or positive or happy around. You can just, like you said, just hang out, vibe, be low energy vibes. And when you feel it, you can heal it. Yeah, Absolutely. I think that's important because a lot of the time, again, people try to like suppress how they're feeling, not give it oxygen, not give it airtime. It's never going to go away. Let it, let it out. Feel it, heal it. Let it out. I am obsessed. I love this. Thank you so much, Adele. You're amazing. Thank you for giving us your time and your energy and your wisdom today. Where can the people find you if they haven't found you yet? (laughs) Thank you, Steph. I've loved coming on and thank you for sharing your space with me and your podcast audience with me. I feel truly so grateful. You're amazing. And I'm so honored to be one of your friends and so honored that you had me on. But if anyone is interested in my content, my user on all platforms is Adele Marie. The Marie is M-A-R-E-E. And my podcast is called Your Safe Space. Yes. And we will link it all below. Thank you so much, Adele. We love you. We appreciate you and cannot wait to speak to you again. Thank you, Steph. Bye guys. Bye. Mom. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.